To Be Continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. The libertarian yes, argument? Exactly. See this? I'm this not going to rebut that. This is You were rebutting it the entire time we were preparing for this! <laughs> <laughs> Now suddenly I wrote all this crap. I know, no, no, just it's a tactic. It's just done. <laughs> this podcast is over. <laughs> well, too bad. No, you... it's the truth, Anna. Every time I was like, I was like, you know, I think it's, and he was all like, you know, I don't think that it's. Um... No, but I never <laughs> I said character... straight up. I never said I don't. I never straight up said I disagree with your libertarian argument, especially if Joss Whedon says it. Fire, Firefly is the Ron Paul story. It yeah. really is. Back. With Ed. I, with Ed. Uh, welcome, everyone. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast covering your fanboy passions. You're not going to learn anything, but if you stick around, you just might have some fun. A welcome to today, March, April, April 19th, 2017, and... And the prodigal son has returned. Indeed. <laughs> I have been away from the world for quite a spell. <laughs> And a lo- joining us today, not only is the return of the of the triumphant the return of of, of <laughs> the, the last podcaster Edward Ng, <laughs> showing off her sh- her Star Wars fandom uh, right now on Facetime, is Anna Anna Grimaud. Welcome back. The last time Anna was on the show was our Game of Thrones spectacular. So welcome to the show, Anna. And uh, also, thank you guys. Um, thank you. Uh, we want to wish her a happy birthday. Uh, you had a birthday uh, several days ago, and she's wearing a I shirt. Did. And the shirt says, a "Legends legend, are born in legends April." Are born in April. <laughs> okay, and it's a it is a Star but, Wars shirt, right? It is a Star Wars shirt, and uh, I said to her earlier on, it is a- I wanted to take. I I took a snapshot and I said, "Spare no boob." <laughs> <laughs> We are ready. Look, I did it on purpose. Look, I did it on purpose. I even got a small little V cut just to tease you about where the boobs begin. I can see those followers. <laughs> we're, we're we're radio. Not wow, TV. we just hit three hundred guys on Twitter. <laughs> hey, mention mention boobs, and the fanboys are going to come running. Yep, four hundred. <laughs> but uh, boobies. But today is today is a very boobies. very important show. Boobies. Today's a very important show. Oh, is it? It's been well. It's been in the making for quite some time, uh, and well, today we're going to talk about something that's very close to my heart. I don't know about you guys. Screw you! I'm not really a fan. Something of that. very shiny, really. Firefly. <laughs> yes. Slash Serenity. Those are the bugs that glow in the dark, right? Today we today. It, <laughs> that's right. Uh, or you know, John, you keep, if you keep this act up, people are going to think that you're like on the. You're on the spectrum. On the slow, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> just what I'm saying. I might be on the spectrum a little. Mind, things a little too literally. Mind you, I'm going to kick you out. I'm going to kick you out of the air, airlock. <laughs> <laughs> just don't, 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 don't tell him what I did. <laughs> don't tell everybody else what I did, Mal. <laughs> now, Firefly is um, uh, where we're going to get to it. But I just want to mention the Star Firefly. 
uh, very significant to us, Nathan Fillion, who is our Pope. The fanboy Pope. The fanboy Pope. No, 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 But if we were to ask our Pope, and I'm pretty sure he would say, I bought my mansion with castle money, not with Firefly money. That's what me and Miguel were talking about the other day. It's the truth. I mean, like, it, was, it wasn't really on that long... And they've all the, the the that core cast has dispersed across so many, like like different like shows and movies. I mean, like look at Alan Tudyk in in Rogue One. Uh, I mean, you know, Summer Glau, of course, is now the the mistress of death for all TV series that she's a part of. Because whenever Summer Glau becomes part of a television show, it's gonna get canceled. <laughs> Marina Bakarin, as we were talking about before the show started, of course, um, uh, Gotham. Movies. And then, yeah, movie. <laughs> Listen, anyone who ends up on Stargate, like, is, all, is always, you know, will... Are you talking down Ben Browder of Farscape fame, Ed? <laughs> That's the next show. That's, that is, That's well, the next if show. If not the next show, an eventual show. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the, that cast has gone on to other things, and I'm sure all of those things have probably paid a lot more... <laughs> Than 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 uh, than Firefly has, and you know, Fillion especially because um, you know Castle. Like, let, let me ask you, Anna, a question, Anna. Were you even aware of Castle as a show? Uh, you know uh, that that Fillion I is was. A star? Did you I ever watch? Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I saw like maybe three episodes, but I didn't. I didn't connect with Castle like I did with. Like, I just feel like Nathan Fillion has such a fantastic, you know, smart ass character on Firefly, and then on 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 Castle, he's just. I don't know. There was no chemistry between him and the the chick who obviously he's supposed to get together with. So. <laughs> and yet it goes on for eight seasons. We talk about it all the time. Like, all the time. Yeah. It's like Castle was on. Is yeah. Castle, so is still, Castle on? still on? Eight we, we, seasons. Is, we, I think it's ended, but we always the joke, go to joke is is Castle still, still, on? Castle still on? Is it still on? I think it's still on. And I'm pretty sure that I know that. Um, That's sad that it did. It had a longer run than Firefly. It's not sad. It just has a different look. We can't. I'm not going to talk too down about it because, quite frankly, Come on, you, it's just different. We had a conversation, and I well, quote, I quote, Miguel, castles for milfs. <laughs> well, look, 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 again, I'm going to go, I'm going to point out. I don't know if I said milfs. I did say it was probably for an older female demographic. So, so, milfs. So, milfs. I, I, I went away, I went away on vacation. I'm driving a car, and you know, aside from uh, Jen and Clark and Clark's godmother, Rosie, who I do bring up on the show a lot, and she's... And she's uh, she's uh, she's my age. She's in her forties. She's the castle demographic. She's the castle demographic. And we're driving. And I'm That's telling her said. about what what we're what I'm preparing for. Yeah, we're going to do Firefly show. I love Nathan Fielding. Oh, so have you seen it? I love Castle. <laughs> and I'm like, you should bring her on for a ca- the Castle show. We're not going that to have a be, castle show. We're not going to have a castle show. We're not going to have a castle show. What channel? What channel was Castle on? It's like four. it was ABC. It was ABC uh, here in the US. It's, 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 it's an ABC gumshoe channel too. Yeah, it's an ABC gumshoe. Wait, wait, you know, hold on. Show. Let me let me just nip this in the bud right now. We've talked too much about Castle already, which already shows <laughs> it's you the Castle show how how. How much more significant in the lives? Thanks for joining us for to be continued today's show. <laughs> we're covering Castle. Castle. <laughs> it's it, how much more significant it is to Nathan Fillion's career than all of Firefly combined. But that's only from the perspective of length and the amount of money and the notoriety and yeah. stuff. The truth is, in the fanboy heart, yeah. Firefly slash Serenity has this place. And again, before we started recording, and uh, we were talking about the idea that. Why does this show have such a, a strong place in fans' hearts? Um, it is that sort of underdog thing where it got canceled, but also 
it has the sheen of it never got bad. It's kind of like with the Beatles versus the Rolling Stones. You know, it's always the Beatles is like, oh, they were so amazing because we're never going to see we never going to see them reform. The Beatles never went throughout the 80s tour after tour milking that it was their last tour. <laughs> you know, it's whereas true. whereas with the Stones, uh, at some point the returns got less and less and less because it was just like, yeah, you know, nothing is oh, man, they're they haven't given us a tattoo you in like 12 years. It's time for my medication <laughs> in the greatest city in the world. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so, I mean, th- I mean, that's sort of like early death is is you know James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, Firefly Serenity. It's in that it'll always give that sort of sheen of you know oh it's so beautiful because it never got to get old mm-hmm. uh, among among the fans. It, it's well, part. Of, it's part of the one season club. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, that's sort of like, oh, killed before it's time. And they'll, oh, you know, regardless of the quality, those things always get that sort of like, that's, oh, it's, you know, it, it could have gotten a wider no, audience. Whereas that, that's Firefly the, at least does deserve that it has actually this incredible level of quality. Yes, yes Jonathan? Well, I was going to compare it to Cream. Uh, Cream sounds so good, but they only did like two yeah, records. They did like two records. Yeah, there Give them time true. to fail. Give them, you know. Well, no, <laughs> Firefly, Firefly was on Fox for, again, <laughs> How many episodes? It was, it was 14, 11. 14, 11. 14 episodes. No, not even. It was down for 11 episodes. They didn't even finish screening all of the 14. All right, yeah, all the 14 weren't, weren't screened. And it was only on from Fox from September to December of 2002. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, on Fox. And had 4.7 million and, 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 and viewers if I may, per episode. So. Go ahead. If, if, if I may, I think that, that Firefly would have, would have definitely survived... Um, a longer span if it had been on anything but Fox. Yes. Fox yeah. is traditionally one of those channels that Kill early. doesn't react well to intelligent shows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course, they're they're, they're Family the, guy. The, the, the night of the Black Widow on Fox is is Fridays, which is where they scheduled this thing, and they've just gone through so many different shows. And you uh, you really wonder why sometimes with American broadcast networks, and me and Ed have talked about this a lot off the air, where it's like, well, why? There are so many shows in the past that were that would have been killed early if they were on today, that would not have been given their shot. You know, I I think the granddaddy yeah. of them all is like is like Seinfeld. It took that show a long time to find its audience. Well, it's, oh yeah, and Fox was is pretty much responsible for and going back to that. Um, uh, Family Guy episode, and they just go down the list of all the shows. All that the shows canceled. that have been canceled, whereas the, you know, <laughs> to replace Family yeah, it's Guy, like, uh, it's like Andy Richter. Uh, Andy Richter <laughs> destroys the universe. Is that the name? Andy of the Richter show? controls, <laughs> controls the universe. Controls the universe. <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't matter. So, um, and I know that there's been some uh, a lot of backlash. Even to even it, it got really personal, really, for a lot of the fans um, that they've. Uh, I don't know if they've made. The executive uh, at the time, uh, or Jermaine, the president, right? uh, Gail Berman, oh, who oh, was who yeah. was who was president of, uh, of of Fox Entertainment at the time. Yeah, it's been it gets pretty ugly online with some of the yeah, fan and even even Tudyk well, at conventions have said um, uh, upon having a meeting with Gail, it's like I'm that exact. Like no one ever gives me props for green lighting this show and green light that show. It's always canceling canceling Firefly. So. I, I like it. even at one point I think I might have sent a hate tweet. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's fanboys for you, Ed. Right. You know what are you gonna do? We're all we're all yeah. pretty. 
Now, uh, I'd just like there, to... There, there, was a, there was a biography on Josh Whedon written by a chick named Amy Pascal, mm-hmm. and it came out in 2014, and there's a lot of insider scoops about how Fox had treated the, the, the show, and she's not kind at all <laughs> with her comments about what Fox did, and it, it kind of sets Firefly up to fail. It really well, does Well, Josh, Josh himself even um, was notorious for... And sticking to his guns, and which is why we as fans um, put him up on a pedestal as far as defending uh, the things that he, the bu- that he believed in. Independent-mindedness. Right. It's, it's, it's what's so attractive. And what he, he was saying that, uh, no, this is how it's going to be. Let's take the first episode. The first episode... Um, the which, original Serenity. The original Serenity. But he was forced to have Train Job, a Train Job being the first one. That's, well, that no, he delivered, the, he, the delivered, origin- he delivered Serenity, and then sort of they were like, ah, we're not so sure about this. And so he had to rewrite a whole episode and come up with it very, very quickly, which was the train job. Still a good episode. Well, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't even respect the chronology, chronology uh, that, that Joss Whedon had set up. So they actually you know, aired this, the, the, the individual episodes out of order. Showing, the, showing of the Serenity order last. Got- showing Serenity last, I think. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. the uh, other things about uh, Whedon sticking to his guns is stuff like he always meant for it to be shot in a widescreen, uh, you know, aspect yes. ratio. And mm-hmm. so they're telling him, no, you can't do that. We have to make this for TV. So, you know, he didn't want to give up on that because he says, well, you know, when it gets on the DVD release, it's going to be widescreen. So he shot it in a way where it would you it could be both. Rather than, like, obviously filming, you know, two different versions, he was like, okay, we're going to film this in a way that mm-hmm. it'll be, it'll cropped a certain way when mm-hmm. it goes on TV. But once we get the widescreen release on, on uh, uh, it'll be so, it, which actually shows some, uh, which comes through in some interesting ways. There are some shots where you will see, I think in the widescreen version, you'll see Wash moving his hands on no steering device. Click, click, and click. that's because, and that's simply because it was. He knew that when it would be on TV, it would be <laughs> you like wouldn't, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't see it. that. And in the <laughs> widescreen, he's like he's flying nothing. <laughs> now about that, um, it sounds like something that we all have in common with this particular, if you want to call it franchise, is that we learned about it after the fact. I know yes, I did. Yes, yeah. yeah, so, uh, yeah. I would just like to go right. into that. How uh, uh, I'm going to start with John, then Anna, then Ed, mm-hmm. then me. How did we all come to uh, a Firefly and knowledge of it and enjoyment of it. So, John, how did, how did you? When did you learn about Firefly? It was during a during the middle of a really horrible relationship. Okay. And then Ed came and saved the relationship for like another year. Wait, is this true? By giving us this like DVD. Wait, are, it, are, are, are like, you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, really? We're getting Doctor Phil here. <laughs> Hold on. Now. Are you saying and she's that? Funny something in and common, she, right? Exactly. <laughs> and she, wow, well, Firefly saving relationships for an extra, Sweden. for an extra year, but, with but, eventually, but only for eleven episodes. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 okay, John. Did, you're not. Did, did you mention at any time boobies? <laughs> you know, I was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, uh, is that what ended it? Did you say, oh man, that Marina Bacar and she's looking pretty good, yeah. and that was the end yeah, of it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so no, seriously. And so she John, said, I'm taking these. I'm keeping these. You can. <laughs> That you can was leave. part of the settlement. Yeah, part of the settlement. Yeah, <laughs> she got the Firefly DVDs that Ed gave me. That is, <laughs> and it, it really hurt. But I had to let it go. I had to be like, you know what? That's fair. 
I'll, I'll take the TV and the DVD player. <laughs> we should got have, nothing to watch your Firefly on. That'd make a great segment, like uh, we Doctor Phil this thing, but with let's, sci-fi. Let's like, okay. let me suggest something that'll save the relationship. It's like, it's like can I suggest Far Escape here? <laughs> I suggest joint custody of the of the Blu-rays. Look, she could have disc one. <laughs> but I want two and four. <laughs> and I'll be damned if she gets the movie. No, but I keep the Blu-rays. <laughs> okay, uh, that's that's funny. Wow. You, you should have taken out of the box that individual episodes and just be like, these are the ones that I want, and you can have them split, split the whole season but, up but, in half. But let me a- John, let me ask you, what year was it? I, I, don't, I, re- I don't remember. Oh, man, this. it was late in the game. Uh, what, like, oh, eight? Oh eight, okay. Oh, so eight, okay. Right. Wait, oh, nine. Wait, wait, late in the game as in late in the game or late in the game for the relationship? Both. <laughs> Both. But, but, no, but it came out in 2002. Right, right. exactly. And at that time, I had never heard of it. I okay. didn't hear okay. about okay. it. Okay, all right. All right. So now, I mean, Anna, uh, where <laughs> did, uh, when did you come to come where would your Thank come you to firefly moment <laughs> so I, I i went about it backwards i actually i was living in california at the time in los angeles and i was working on this large firm and my project architect was this really cool guy named mark and we used to have all kinds of like bizarre conversations about anything but architecture when we would take like <laughs> our five minute break we'd go outside we'd get coffee and then you know on our walk back we'd have a chat about whatever so he, got, he eventually learned that i'm like this huge movie fan and i'd watch everything and so one day he comes up to me he's like you absolutely have to see serenity i'm like what and he's like yeah yeah this movie called serenity you absolutely have to watch it so i did and i actually came about firefly backwards because i saw the movie first and i was like this is very cool um and you know you start watching the movie and you get this feeling that maybe you should know more than you actually do so at the very beginning of the movie i kind of felt like yeah, it's one of those movies that'll probably develop. You just got to pay attention to details. And then I had learned, I did a little research, and I learned that there was a TV series. So I actually saw Firefly after Serenity, and it was yeah, I came about about it backwards. But it was it was it was awesome. It was and very, and, very and cool. it grabbed you and it grabbed you from the get go. Automatically, yeah, it was very clever. I found it very original. I kind of like this whole like Western theme to sci-fi. I, I found it very cool, you know, because which I'm unfortunately was one of the things that gave it a problem when it was airing because the execs Probably. just couldn't seem to wrap their head around it. But now they love it yeah. with Westworld and stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. So yeah, it was a cutting edge. Well, so now- well, well, I think that um, in particular, and we'll get into later because Joss Whedon is a huge. I would say a feminist writer. When he writes, yep. when he writes his stories, he's geared towards feminist, really strong female characters. But we'll get into that later. But all right. Um, so now, Ed- Edward, now how did you come right. to come to Firefly? So I said this before, right before we 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 started the show is um, we met around two thousand one. Okay, at a martial arts school. We're not going to get into how one day you showed up and had uh, these. These Nightwing gloves, and I. Well, you mentioned Nightwing, and then once I said, "You're like, oh, he knows who Nightwing is." <laughs> I think I think we can be friends. <laughs> this looks like the beginning of a beautiful friendship. So, <laughs> after several uh, phone conversations, Firefly, you tossed well, Firefly. Well, was into this the before or after he whipped your ass? <laughs> you know what? Uh, oh. we'll, we'll, we'll get into that later. Okay, <laughs> it actually is a draw. 
It's a true <laughs> through, through, through different types of methods. All right, so <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so you know, you, uh, you finally convinced them. So, so you gotta, it's it's a great. And I'm like, I don't know about this I got, because I, we've I, seen, I really got into it. Yeah. We've seen the images and and the, the 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 promos, and I'm like, this is this doesn't look very attractive. And had you had you had not read um, his Astonishing X Men yet by that point, had you? I think it was out yet. Was it even out at the time? I think it was concurrent. I was around that time. I think, but I did. But I did read read um, eventually. Yeah. But I'm saying I don't think it was at the same. Like you weren't th- like reading it at the same time. Like you weren't buying those issues, were you? Of Astonishing X Men. Uh, I think I was. Okay. Yeah, all right. I think I was, and I did. But read you just it. didn't know that he had this other thing. Then maybe. Um, well, Joss Whedon. We. I go. What the guy who did Buffy. Right, uh, I wasn't really. Yeah, a lot of, yeah, my a lot mother-in-law of... watches Buffy. So <laughs> I don't watch. <laughs> so so you finally, I finally convinced you to, to watch it, right. and then you so, get into it. So so basically, anyone who watches Firefly and you have the DVD set, and John, I think a- anyone in this room might agree. You pop, you pop in disc one. Two days later, you're gonna come out f- smelling funky. <laughs> you're gonna need a shower, and then you, and then like I came out of it, and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, I think I just watched. The most greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, you were and gonna buy a brown coat, right? So, <laughs> Serenity, the movie comes out, and I remember back then DVD stores were still around, right? Um, rented Serenity. I had this guy. Tower Records. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had this guy come come over. We watched it in the uh, um, in, in a room with the um, uh, with the TV and two lawn chairs. I was having my place done. I just got married. And, but and I had it, seen it already. You had seen it already, yeah. right? <laughs> but you weren't prepared for the for 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 the, uh, for the explosion of reaction that I had, which was there's that last scene, that last space battle scene. There, uh, um, the uh, Serenity Firefly class ship comes out of the clouds, and it's and 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 it's flanked by what Reavers. <laughs> I get up on my feet and I go, "Holy!" And it was. That was exactly what had happened. I was, I like, it, the blood was pumping. They were doing really crazy space things, like uh, the Reavers were shooting cables at Alliance ships, and they were twirling him around. This is a space battle. Yeah, he 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 kind of lost it, and and it then, was, like I said, you were you were really Mister Browncoat for a while. A while well, later. and then the, by by the time the credits roll, you know they have the three headstones. The credits roll, and I'm in tears, and he's, I'm like, he's holding back manly and tears, and I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna crawl up into, I'm gonna crawl up into ball <laughs> and cry for a week, and I think, I think I, that's exactly what I did. <laughs> and every time I watch it, I do the same thing, and I got my wife into it. She, 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 she watched it, and she, she loved it. But again, every time I watch it, I, I have these emotions, and I'm just like, I'm gonna cry, wash. <laughs> I'm just tearing up right now. I'm so like, emotionally, okay. I'm just like. So All right, like, you can you can hold back the manly hold tears. Hold okay. wash. Now for now for myself, I, I came to I came to it. Um, a, our mutual friend Pete had given me the box set, and I <laughs> I had been a very 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 big the fan of the show Farscape. Which has some similarities of Misfits in Outer Space kind of you know adventure program, and I had not watched. Uh, any of Buffy. I had not watched any of Angel, and I th- and I don't think I had really read too much of his astonishing X Men run at that point, and I didn't really know what to really expect. I didn't really know if it, you know, if this was something that was for me. And my reaction, once given the the box set, was 
uh, hey man, I hear you really love Firefly. And I was like, actually, I'm in a Farscape. I just took the box set. I don't want to throw it out. It's a gift from a friend. So I put it in the locker at my job. And I think it was in like my, my, my daily work bag. And I think at some point I like I'd, it, it had stayed there. And I was just like, uh, let me keep it in my locker. All right, you know. So quite some time had passed. I'd say about a year or so. And suddenly everyone is talking about this series and, you know, and everyone is talking about how good it is. It had, it had this groundswell. Because, it, you know, uh, uh, we can talk all we want about how Fox mistreated it. I mean, the truth is, as a ratings thing, it wasn't necessarily setting the world on fire anyway. So it wasn't like everyone knew about it and it, it got taken off the air. It was, you know, I didn't watch it when it was first run. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I think it was like when you mentioned it, I'm like, what, you mean that space above and beyond thing? Yeah, exactly. You didn't even know what it was. So, you know, finally, the groundswell of so much fan stuff is talking about it. And I say, well, like, yeah, let me give it its day in court. You know, pop it into the uh, uh, pop it into the old DVD machine and was just like, okay, after like everyone else. About two days, I'm like, okay, this was really, this was so good. And I got a movie. So went out, bought the movie, watched it, very happy with how it all, you know, ties up, saw that the film really was, you know, this guy, Joss Whedon, doing what he wanted to do, you know, finishing it up as, as best as he could given the limitations, but just thoroughly enjoying it all, you know, from, from, from start to finish. There's, there's not like, I don't think anyone here can say that there's truly a bad episode of the television show. There isn't one episode where you go like, yeah, man, episode five. Eh. I mean, they're all entertaining, engaging, or creative in some way. But then again, that as we had to, dis we were also talking about maybe that's you know, they never got a chance to get old. They were just wanted to make this this incredible you know program you know the first season knock it out of the park, and so there's there is no like, oh that's kind of a lame episode of Firefly or oh that <laughs> character I didn't like that character. It was like oh that relationship thing they did I you know they never get to uh, got to get that point. Uh, so now that we've all you know acclimated ourselves here the the the, the audience here to you know where we're coming from with Firefly. Um, uh, just a little talk about its origins and, you know, where, where, you know, um, the, uh, the things that, uh, are in the show and then we'll go through the characters and then get to the movie. So, um, essentially Joss Whedon had uh, created the show. It's post, uh, his creation of, of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It's post Angel. He brings it to Fox and it's a show where it's, these, that beginning opening theme and everything sets the tone. It is a space western, but it is a space western in the sense, uh, in the true western That's sense. another thing. Like, first time I heard that song. Like, this is a sci-fi like, show? This is a sci Like, yeah, it's, and it's not, like, it doesn't grab you immediately. That's that's just the instinctive feeling. Um, and as a musician, I go, what is this? And But eventually, it just sort of slowly crawls up on you. And it consumes you. <laughs> well, it's it's the themes of the of the show are all in that and that show. So, Whedon creates it along with uh, 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 Tim Minar as his sh showrunner and Bed Edlin, creator of ah, the, yes, tick, the Tick, the uh, <laughs> also as as uh, uh, with producing credits. And his influences are <laughs> his his influences for the for it are essentially he said that he's taken the idea of the the classic John Ford Western stagecoach. Uh, a, a novel called The Killer Angels, uh, which was a historical mm -hmm. novel about the um, uh, um, uh, Michael Shara's uh, uh, book about uh, uh, Gettysburg and the Civil War. 
And uh, actually, that that did become uh, the 1993 produced uh, Gettysburg. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, also uh, 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 stories of uh, Jewish partisans during uh, uh, fi- fighting against Nazis in World War II. And, uh, you know, mixing that all together with the idea of essentially here is I want to focus on a sort of a, a world that is like the New Republic from Star Wars or like the Federation. But I want to <coughs> show the under the, the, the underclass. Who who are the people that, as he says in the commentary, who are the people that the Starship Enterprise would just fly by and not give two thoughts to? And that is he gives us this this sort of idea of. Who are the losers in a galactic civil war? Mm-hmm. Essentially, I mean, he's he's often said that, uh, you know, going from the Killer Angels, the idea is that there's a lot of American fiction that is focused not on the the the, the morally superior and winning North. Uh, most of our fiction Lose of the civil war losers. is beautiful losers of the South, people who had given their their all for a cause that they believed in, but eventually. You know, they weren't on the right side of history on some level. And that is, you know, part of, you know, I think the, again, we talk about the underdog appeal of the show. Um, uh, now, uh, so, and I mean, like, as that part of the show, the idea of these these people as beautiful losers, is that does that come across to you? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I love underdogs. I mean, I, th- I think that's probably the appeal to a lot of great movies and great series where you're not necessarily talking about the winner you know uh you're talking about how the the losers essentially stay alive and continue existing and refuse at on some level to to give in uh just because you know they, they basically lost the war and i and i i really do agree with him and with you in the sense that it is a north and south kind of story um i kind of find it very interesting that in firefly the 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 two civilizations that are supposed to have survived are the americans and the chinese and so essentially <laughs> you have this mixture of these two cultures that's done very very gracefully and both of the both of these cultures whether it's the american or the chinese have at some point in their history kind of experienced this you know um fight between i would say in america north and south and china between the different regions yes. i mean you know, the unification of, of China was not an easy historical thing to accomplish. And Bo- so both, both, I kind of both feel historically like and, and, and in the, the recent re- history and in more recent history. Oh, this, <laughs> and in more this recent does history. Smell exactly. of like some Xiaomiao now here, you know. Really oh god, Ed's gonna get off that he can throw out his <laughs> his Cantonese sayings throughout the rest Mandarin, of the episode. Get Mandarin? that straight. Okay. <laughs> Let's hear one. I just it's, I just well, I just said it like <laughs> Well, I just said panayurin, but that's besides the <laughs> it's, it's, it's our land, right? <laughs> um, now, I, I just want to say, you know, the, I, Anna, you've been on the show twice. I don't think it's by any accident that you're on this one. Joss Whedon writes very strong characters. And in this particular case, like Firefly uh, does pretty much revolve around... Um, uh, aside from the fact that yeah, you've got a ragtag group living in a ship, and they're running from the law, but it does sort of revolve around this one arc, which is basically uh, um, focused on Summer Glau, who is n- n- what we call uh, most of the time when we with these characters the X Factor or the Wolverine, uh, the Wolverine of these groups, right? <laughs> um, but again, nevertheless. A very strong character. Um, how, aside from that, we did speak about the characters in Game of Thrones, 
and you did a great job with that one. Well, well Ed, I think but, we'll, we'll we'll get into the female character. I just want to go to general. Oh, you want to get general? Just general talk. Talk a little more about the show. By the way, I just want to drop this about uh, uh, more Civil War sort of stuff. There's a character called Jubal Early, who is in the yep. final yeah, episode right. of of the of the show. The Boba Fett. Uh, yeah, the Boba Fett type <laughs> character. I think he's kind of the proto-operative in a way. I think yes. yeah, yeah. That there's there's something about uh, Jubal Early is actually the name of uh, is a, a a real historical ca- a figure. And here's the connections to Firefly that's kind of interesting on that. Uh, he was uh, he Jubal Early. The character is named for Jubal Early, um, a Confederate lost cause writer, uh, who also in real not life is a real-life ancestor of Nathan Fillion. Wow. <laughs> so maybe that's how that, you know, that, how that, that, came, <laughs> that, came, uh, uh, that came about. Now, we mentioned about the show, it's, a, it's about the losers of a galactic civil war. And, you know, I think that there's something to be said about that is how we, we get um, the setting, the tone of the show... Uh, the idea that this is also that he didn't move it into sci-fi in the sense of like again that no one is carrying laser guns or uh, you know transporters. There are no androids or any of these other tropes that we see in science fiction. There's not even faster than light drive, you know. And most of the things we think of as sci-fi, there's not a lot of techno babble in the show. I mean, like Anna, do you, let me ask you a question. Do you have any idea how the engine of Firefly works at all? Like, is there anything you know? None, none. <laughs> no, I almost feel like they need to stop for gas every once in a while. You know, like I almost feel like you know that all that smoke and all of that light actually comes from you know petro- pet- petrol. So, well, like I said, like you know, whenever uh, whenever Mal goes to the back room, you see engine engine room. Kaylee's got her hammock hot hanging over there with her laundry. And you look at, and I, I say this all the time about the these firefly yeah. these firefly class ships. There's absolutely no way these ships should be flying at all. <laughs> it's got the two the two the two engines that sort of like they they um, they turn. Uh, they can do the what is that maneuver that that uh, 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 the cra- crazy uh, Ivan crazy Ivan yeah, okay where Ivan. where it does like the, the one flips the other way. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, you got the back engine. You've got the um, the the belly, which is where the the, the docking port is. The, the the docking bay. It's a very it's a very it's not a pretty ship. It seems to be it's very utilitarian, you know. And that's the other thing. He's not noticed that the, there's a difference in the way they film everything else and when they film the Alliance. When they film the Alliance, it is filmed in a sense like we would expect a Star Wars or a Star mm-hmm. Trek to be filmed. Not just going from the sets, but the very way it is filmed. It, it's or very, peacekeepers, yeah, <laughs> or peacekeepers. Uh, but there is this sense of like when you go to the Firefly stuff, when they're on board the ship, when you're seeing the crew of Serenity, it's all steady cam, it's all cinema verte, you know. Whereas they go to uh, the Alliance, and suddenly it's you know tracking shots, and you know, you know these it, it, the, the pans that you would again. It's very much more like in the Star Trek Next Generation kind of way. And then when you get on board. Serenity, it's we're following these people around with a steady cam. You know, he's really making a, a, an effort to show that you know these people are. It's a low. It's a little more low tech. It's his one of his things was saying with Firefly was, I didn't want to create a universe where there was no struggle, 
And that's a key part of the show. Every episode is a struggle for these characters. This isn't simply, let me go to the replicator and get myself a chocolate mousse because I'm feeling like chocolate mousse today. You have that moment on the series where Kaylee essentially allows Shepard book on the ship. Why? Because he brings strawberries. strawberries with him. And there's yeah. fresh fruit. You know, that's the idea that this is... He's setting up a world that is was different than most TV uh, science fiction. And I think that is a big part of its appeal. And I also think that he was making a show where he was sort of dealing with the idea of, okay, everything can't be perfect the way we think of when we think of the Old Republic or especially in Star Trek Next Generation. Like, even in the future, people, you know, there's Star still going to be a lot of the same issues. Star Wars would call those planets Outer Rim, uh, Outer Rim territories, right? You yes, know, well, well like, even and even in Firefly, you have what they call the core planets, mm -hmm. and then there are those, again, mm -hmm. those... those uh, the independents who who fought against the sort of the control, which is something else about Firefly that that's I think is noteworthy. There's no emperor. This is not about some main villain that has. That's to That's what you think. <laughs> what do you? That's do? what you think that there's no that there's no emperor. What you're going to tell me to put some money in the in the politics? Jar? That is a horrible, is that what you're going to do? That's a terrible. Donald what? Don't Trump. even say it. Don't even say it's it. It's terrible. Don't Donald. even say it. Puppet. Puppet. You're the puppet. You're the puppet. I'm not the puppet. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but there is no, there is no like Vader or Emperor type. At the closest we get to that is where on the show there's the suddenly the men with blue hands, which they never really get a chance to go into. And then you know the film, of course, has the operative, but there is no Palpatine. This is not a clash of someone like oh they're eventually going to overthrow the bad guys. No, these are still people who are on the on the on the you know. On the, the the edge of things, more than anything else, and without Summer Glau's character River Tam and the brother Simon coming into them, they would have remained on right. the fringe of this of this of this universe, which is what most of the stories are about. The stories that we get in Firefly, at least as much as we got to get, that season is not about you know. Here's a you know Mal Mal's been you know screwed over by the the this Galactic Empire and. <laughs> He's, gosh darn it, he's going to get them back. No, he is running away from them. He is trying to find some way to live outside of their jurisdiction more than, like, trying to stop them. He's a man who believed in things and is um, is now on the run. And I think that's a good place to start with just talking about the characters. So let's start with one Malcolm Mal Reynolds, played by Nathan Fillion. Sergeant. Malcolm Sergeant Reynolds. now Captain now Cap Captain Captain Malcolm Reynolds Captain Captain uh, Anna your 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 opinion of the character and the actor and you know his place in the series <coughs> I had a huge issue with I don't mean to get back to this but it's one of the main points for me uh, I had a huge issue with Castle because I found he had very bad chemistry with his leading lady <laughs> which is totally not the case for him between Nathan Fillion and Morena background i mean like from the very first time you see them you know talking to each other they insult each other gracefully but you see the sexual tension between the two of them and you know that you know if given the chance they'd probably end up together which they didn't but anyway it's one of the things i also love about the show <laughs> he's very sexy in, in firefly he's one of those you know kind of rugged you know western guys 
at some point, you know, there's the, 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 the episode where he gets left behind completely naked in the middle of the desert by what would have been his wife. And you look at him and he's a normal guy. He's a normal looking guy. I mean, like there's something very cool, and very honest and very normal about him. And I, I, as a, I as a normal, immensely enjoy that. As a normal guy. Anna, I can't comment. Let me just, I'm not normal. Let me just, let me just say. He makes me feel He's normal. on the lower end of good looking. He's still good looking. He's he still is. very he fit. A, he's, a, he's more fit than the you know than the average American male is. Let's be honest. No tire, you know, no spare tire on him. But he's not. I agree. He's not necessarily in the Brad Pitt, Ryan Reynolds, ultra abs, and even. I completely and, well, agree, again, and you know, I find that charming. And yeah, there is. Yeah, he, he's more. Like, the minute he opens his mouth, you want to listen to him like that. There's something very cool about a man that you have naked in front of you, and you'd rather <laughs> that he talk to you than then see his ass. Right. Na- Na- and I find that awesome. Well, Pope Nathan is. Um, he's every time he's on. He's on cons. He's always got about. He's got his, has a wit. Wits about him. And yeah, for those of us who are, yeah. who are really yeah. fans of him. For many years, what have we said about him? This guy is our Hal Jordan. Oh, yes. This guy is our Green Lantern. And eventually he did become the uh, animated Green Lantern. So now, now, Anne, your your take on the character of Mal um, would be what? I think he's a frustrated man who basically fought for something he truly believed in and lost. And he lost by betrayal, not by numbers or lack of effort or not, you know, lack of intelligence. He lost pure and simple by betrayal because you do see in one of the episodes where he calls for backup and the backup basically says you're not worth our coming in to save you so he's this man who has been extremely disappointed by life and by people and today he only feels like he needs to take care of his very small ship and the people he allows thereon, extremely protective of them very very loyal to them and essentially, he looks for a life where he can live things by his codes, his standards, without, you know, really annoying anybody um, and tries to stay as much away from any uh, encounters with the order as, as, as much as possible. So, yeah, I, I, he's this sort of, you know, smart ass He's a he, he's a cowboy. He's a smart ass cowboy. He really yeah, he is. is. He's, he's, he's and definitely the frontier. Cut- Definitely cut in the Han Solo mold of that kind of that kind of character. Absolutely. Every time I hear that, though, I, I really it's just not inaccurate. I mean, I understand I he, think, is, I he think, is cut from that that Han Solo mold. He is and he isn't is in the, the sense the that the Han DNA Solo is there. Yeah, yeah. The DNA is there, but Han Solo, you know, essentially throughout the first three movies, he keeps trying to get back to Jabba the Hutt because he needs to pay him. <laughs> um, you know, Nathan Fillion or Mal- Mal- Malcolm Reynolds, he tries to get away from Jabba the Hutt as much as possible, and he doesn't care at all about paying him. So, if anything, See, I, I, you know, com- I, there, here's where I would disagree with you, Anna. I would say that Malcolm Reynolds is the kind of guy who um, that kind of level of honor is really important to him. And I and I point to the first yeah. episode where he goes to patience. Who he knows patience is gonna screw them over. <laughs> yeah. And it's like I think that Didn't woman she shoot I do you? believe she, 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 everyone's yeah. making a fuss. Yeah. And he goes in there and he doesn't kill her, even though that she attempted to kill him. Yep. And I agree. And not he only gets th- his money, you know, he gets I do the job, I get paid. He doesn't take vengeance. He just like I just give me the I, I'm delivering you, and he doesn't take back what he you know what he's like, I do yeah. the job, I it's get a- paid. Well, he says something very important to Simon, which is like you listen here, young man. You know, if I'm going to kill you, you you'll, you'll be facing you'll me. You'll be facing me, and you'll and have you'll a weapon in your hand. hand. 
and, and you'll have a weapon in your hand. John, yeah. John, now, uh, John, uh, if I can take John away from his tweeting, <laughs> uh, I'm just who's, who's by the way in uh, his Hawaiian shirt, uh, sort what, of Hawaiian. Uh, what's your what is your take on, on Malcolm Malcolm Reynolds as a character and on the show? He's a fun, witty guy. That's not you know too hot, so I feel like I could be him. You know? <laughs> and uh, he's not too hot. <laughs> so yes, yeah, not too hot. Okay, that's good. So, so you feel that that he's relatable because he's I can't relate to that. You can't yeah, relate yeah. to that. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's right, true. Whatever. Super soldier, super serum. soldier body. Yes, of yeah, course. Yeah. Dad bod. Dad bod. By the way, dad. No, bod. we're not going into dad bod. <laughs> okay, so um, uh, uh, for uh, Ed, if we can stop him from going into dad bod, your your take on um, on Mal Reynolds? He's the perfect dad bod. Well, again. Just based on watching that, like within not even two episodes, this guy's Hal Jordan, and yeah, we that has a lot of meaning for those of us who come from that. Yeah, you know, like um, I'm gonna, and this is very common. Again, you said like he's cut from that Han Solo DNA. They 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 go about, they jump right into the action without even thinking, without even a plan. I say that Mal is the king of improvisation. We're just going <laughs> to improvise. We don't have a plan. This I have a goal in life, which is I'm going to. Uh, I've got a boatload of people who are I'm trying who are to hungry, take care of and... trying to take care of. We're, we got a job, and I aim to get paid. Mm-hmm. All right, that's our goal. How am I going to do it? I have no idea. We're surrounded by Reaver, uh, Reaver territory in space. Where uh, I've got um, uh, this person who's trying to kill me. There's a bounty hunter that's after uh, that's after <laughs> me. There's a whole entire um, of, uh, alliance fleet that's on our backs. I'm just going to go out into space and I'm going to make out a living. Um, and the same goes now, as far as the heroics involve. And again, this is where the DNA uh, with the Han Solo. It's he's cut from that Han Solo DNA, which is at the same time I'm going to do the right thing. I don't. I don't have any time for it. <laughs> I'm going to disappoint you, but you know what? If it's if this message here has to go out to everyone, that yes, you know, this is well. Again, this is about foiling the big plot of, yes, of, the, of the alliance, right? Which is the alliance has taken um, people, and he's trying. They've well, he's trying know, to t- turn him into zombies, right? Space zombies. Um, well, that's the great the great alliance failure, but. right? So, but. Again, it's that was, and I don't. Again, I, I don't know whether it's a moral argument for him to want to do the right thing, as far uh, uh, more than it's to say, uh, it's the argument to get it out there because these are the people who are trying to lead you, and they're they're they failed. Right? This is not. Well, he gets again. If I, if I may, uh, my 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 impressions on Malcolm is that. Um, and what makes him more relatable than his looks, Jonathan, <laughs> to me, uh, uh, this is a podcast run by uh, one man who is an evangelical Christian and one man who is an out-and-out atheist. And, and boobies. And boobies. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, me and Ed have often had a back and forth over, you know, a friendly back and forth, I would like to think, a, 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 an honest sharing of opinion. Wherein, you know, my atheism is a big part of my relatability to, to, to Mal. Because it is, he's clearly a man of faith when we first meet him in the first episode of Firefly. Uh, he is uh, not only a believer in the cause of the independence. 
He is a believer in general. It is there's a fuel, there's a fire to him. In in the other episode where we where uh, we get another flashback to him during the war, we see that he's a different person. Right. Before the Battle of Serenity, he, this is a different man, and mm-hmm. his spirit has really been crushed, and he he does he just wants to scrape by, and he'll in order to do that. I mean, we're we're talking about a man who, in again, in the first episode of Serenity, uh, in the first episode of Firefly, but also, as we see in Serenity, he is a man that you know will shoot first and ask questions later. He shoots unarmed people, despite all that talk about being an honorable man. <laughs> he has shot a lot of unarmed people throughout the series, and that makes him relatable to you. That's Fox's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a killer. Really? I can't say that I haven't killed anyone and, indiscriminately. And that, they're, they're, have you ever have you ever kicked uh, anyone into the uh, into a mass of cannibals? No, 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 not no. well. Besides that, the uh, into a roaring engine. <laughs> well, yes, again, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. I mean, like I've all got that, a business deal. Again, all of that talk about like, you know, like well, you, I, mean, I will, <laughs> I, you know, if, if I if I if I shoot you, we'll be facing each other, and you'll have and you'll have a weapon in your hand. Cut to next episode. Guy is captured. Hands are bound behind his back, but you know what? Let me just knock this guy into an engine and turn him into a puree. There's a lot of there. There's a lot of contradictions in a man, which is also uh, I think relatable. But the key part is that for me is that he's a man that it shows that belief in something in anything is inherent to the human species, and that if we don't have that, it, we we curdle on the inside. And this is the conversation that we've had for many years about faith, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's very relatable that, and where Shepherd Book tells him his di- in his dying his last dying words, believe, just believe, believe just believe in something. And, and this is and 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 I like that. It's also relatable to me atheism. Because, <laughs> well, well, all right. So, uh, uh, but okay, atheism, in the sense, Ed, uh, uh, for me, it is relatable because it's not necessarily something where I look at it as oh it's so easy you know the, you know when you don't have an underpinning something people of faith whether it's it's whatever they have faith in it gives them a solid ground but, uh, but, to work on but I, I hate to get into this but I'm gonna say it there it is because I'm, I'm gonna jump in here atheism is not the belief in nothing even atheists believe in something yes yeah, I exactly, mean, athe- exactly. A- atheism is not the lack of belief in something it's just we or we I sometimes you know, I go back and forth a little bit. I'm one of those confused people. Uh, atheism is not lack of belief in something. It's sometimes not believing that you've got this God that takes care of everything for you. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I agree with that, but it, 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 there is something to be said about, uh, I, you know, I did 12 years of Catholic school. <laughs> okay, at some point... And, when... and, I, and I'm born an Eastern Orthodox, so exactly. Eastern Orthodox Christian, so... So, yeah, so, but it's, it's, saying when, it's saying when it was... When I'm just you... glad that we can all join hands together. <laughs> here, here on TBC. Here on TBC. <laughs> Send your money. <laughs> Send your money. Hallelujah. <laughs> or God will come and take me and Edward away. Where politics we have to put in the jar here. <laughs> if we have faith, God fills our jars. <laughs> all right. Uh, but but I, 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 what I mean, Anna, is, is that when you take something like that away, you are now on your own to, like I said, to 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 navigate this thing, rather than having something that is, like I said, a little more solid, a little more bedrock. And I'm just saying it's not easy 
to then navigate, you know, the responsibility becomes your own so totally. When you say, I do not believe in unseen powers. I do not believe in the stories that, you know, are so much the basis of so much culture. You know what I mean? As an atheist, I still say, for God's sakes, all the time. I don't believe in God or that he has a sake. But I still say it. The pull of it is still very strong within the culture. And you're left, I'm just saying, is, is I, sometimes atheists are too haughty and are like, like oh, well, you know, we, we see the thing the, the, the way it is. And, you know, it's very, you know. There's this absolutism. A, there's there. a sort of, they, they want to make this easy. And what I like about with Malcolm Reynolds is it shows how, you know, how it teared at the soul. How, how the lack of this, you know, has curdled uh, certain things inside of him, you know, as a character. And the other part about Malcolm Reynolds, which we'll get into later, is that I, I is interesting for me personally, is that I am, I'm an atheist, but I am very far from being a libertarian. I have always thought of libertarianism as more as an interesting lens to view things. I think it is descriptive, but I don't necessarily think it's... How do you, de how do you define libertarianism, just so I'm... Could be on the same page. I'm sorry. Uh, libertarianism is, it, you know, is the the uh, the philosophy that believes in limited government, that oh, believes okay. that uh, oh, government should not uh, be involved in uh, uh, legislating any sort of morality. It's low taxes, business. low centralization. But, it believes in low regulation of businesses. But the majority of libertarians y are faith based. It's a, yeah, it's a very much, well. Well, Whedon um, himself it, has said that. I don't think he says like uh, Whedon says. I'm a progressive, but. Malcolm Reynolds is, if not a Republican, then certainly a Libertarian. Yes, yeah, cousins Burt Reynolds, mm -hmm. of course. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> Stop it! But um, but it, basically, the grandmother of all Libertarianism is uh, Anne Rhine, right? So yeah, well, I, yeah, Ayn yeah. Rand. Well, I'm going to yeah. get into this later on we'll about into that later, about, but... about that. But the the idea is that you know I find it interesting that she's the leader. Mal, of the Mal is the Mal's is a person who has run out of things to believe in, but. He definitely is of the belief that he should be left alone by the alliance as the government. And that is his point He's of an view. And his, libertarian. And his, that's his one lodestar throughout the series until eventually he comes to believe in something enough to die for again. Mm -hmm. right. And is reborn. Three days later. <laughs> as, as, another, as another character. Now, the next character down on the list is um, Zoe Aileen Wash, played by Gina Torres. Mal's second-in-command, his Chewbacca, if you will. The warrior woman. Mm. Warrior woman. I mean, have you Amazon. seen where the curves go down? <laughs> where do they end? Gina <laughs> Torres is absolutely... I mean, like, we talk, we're, you know, we're talking about Marina Bacarin. But Gina Torres is... Cleopatra, 25, 25. Yes. <laughs> Had been kicking around... You know, Not that many people know that. A lot of, I think I've been kicking around in things like Cleopatra, 25, 25 for, a lot, for many, many things. Uh, uh, comes into this. Now, Anna... Uh, your ta your take and she's, on and she's got and she's got mo bad motherfucker written on her. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. Married to Morpheus. Yeah. I'd rather Mrs. fight Mor Malcolm. Mrs. Morpheus. She's Mrs. Morpheus. She's uh, 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 she's uh, Mrs. Perry White. Yes. You know, Lawrence Fishburne's uh, 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 wife, and just fun, funny, um, a very quiet character. A very, um, she's very, very matter of fact. Yeah, Zoe is low bullshit. Mm -hmm. The uh, the black Spock. The black. I will not even. I uh, wouldn't go that far. But now, Anna, Anna, as a woman, your your take on your take on Zo uh, on on Zoe, Zoe Washburn. Yeah, um, my my take on Zoe is pretty much my take on Kaylee and my take on Inara and my take on 
most of the girls on the show is that they basically repeatedly save the ass of all the men and <laughs> <laughs> get them out of shitload of trouble every time that they get taken away it's either zoe or inara who go after the guys and save them i mean you know she, and there's always true and by the way yeah that's a great point because it's always out of true love for for their men whether it's your brother yeah. or for their lovers their husbands um yeah, yeah but uh, that's a great point and and you know it's very it's very interesting that you know they set up this uh, a very interesting thing of by the way that's one of the things that the executives at Fox were all were were up in arms about they did not want a married couple on the show I know you know I know and I don't understand it and I and and it's funny because when you do your research um, I don't want to get into this issue but I'm going to ask the question because I need I think it needs to be asked <clears throat> the couple is a mixed couple you have a mixed race couple. Mm-hmm. It's oh. not just about the fact that they are a couple. You have a joining of someone who is obviously black and someone who couldn't be whiter because he's blonde with blue eyes. So <laughs> and 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 you know what? You, I, you bring I, up I, something I, interesting I have about to this. Yeah, you do bring up something no, very interesting. No, it's an honest question. Like, is you know, are, are they Was really that- racist? Because I kind of have this this idea about Fox, and it's not just because of this show, but because of other things that that they have. Obviously, kind Fox of News. Yes. And, yeah, Bill Riley. And they're kind of. Killing wash, killing whole Ben wash. Killing whole Ben wash. <laughs> <laughs> by, 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 Bill by Bill O'Reilly. Um, Ghostwritten by Bill O'Reilly. Now you 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 do have a point there. It is it's hard to say if that was maybe the issue. Uh, and also, I think it's interesting about Wash and Zoe is that when we see a lot of interracial couples, I I, I this is just my impression. I've mm-hmm. I've gotten into uh, some arguments online about this, but. When I see interracial couples on TV most of the time, it's usually a black man with any other kind. It's usually a with True. it's 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 a black man with an Asian woman, it's a black man with a Latina woman. It's a black man with, with a white dude. You don't yeah, see you, you white. Don't see that I mean like mm-hmm. Kerry, Washington, <laughs> Kerry Washington Kerry Washington on President of the United, uh, States. The United right. States on Scandal is probably maybe the most high profile one, but you don't have a big history mm. of that kind of uh, thing which I think I actually do think is a racist thing in this sense. There are a lot of white men, frankly, that I've come across, who have no appreciation for chocolate whatsoever. They just don't. They, for whatever reason, they well, white girls love black chocolate. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of black uh, white men who are like, I just don't find, you know, black women attractive. Whatever the racial features are, and maybe it's the Latin blood within me. But Ed will tell you. I love me some chocolate. He yeah, does. It's like we're talking about like Ferrer, like Ferrer Rocher, but bigger. <laughs> but bigger. But. Bigger. But let, let me get to. Uh, I think it's that's, about it's about having four of them at the same time, right? Because you go from the back and you go from the front as well. Yeah, but, but that, it's not that relationship, <laughs> by the way. That relationship, no, by the way. All, all kidding. All kidding aside. I mean, I, I absolutely agree with you. There's something very, very central about you know. And and one of the things that I liked about the show is that it is very rare to see a black and white couple, whether it's man and a woman or the woman is white and the man is black, whichever way you want to go about it. It is still not the norm. And it was norm, kind of like yeah. one of those things where you look, it's not the norm, and you look at it and you're like, okay, well, future of humanity, you know, is still fighting with itself for whatever X, Y reason, but at least they got over this kind of racial issue, which is mm. something that is holding us back, I think, today. And that's something we've never really gotten from the series is that the aside from the origin like where she says i don't like that mustache 
That's all she says. That's yeah. all we know about yeah. their past. I, but we know we don't know anything see, about I, how I, they fell in love. Yeah. Well, how but there is one cool. thing you can say, Ed, as a married man, is you know that the reason he doesn't have the mustache is because she told him he's got to get rid of it. He's got to get rid of it. He's got to get rid of it. I was like, I still like, like, that was the one. There's like, he's a competent pilot. It was like, what is it? Well, what? I don't know. I just don't. I just don't like that mustache. I just don't like And that was it. That's because he, he keeps, but he they, still had the Hawaiian shirt. They, he still, he still <laughs> was everything else. You know that was the deal breaker. You know that when they went on their Curse first date. Curse you and your <laughs> inevitable <laughs> but, for, but foreseeable uh, betrayal. For betrayal. Um, but, you know, it's like, yeah, that's something we never got about their, the, the, the origin of how they got together. And I think that well, what sure makes you do. it There's really an epi- real. Sure you do. There's an episode where they show you how they come across the Firefly. Wait, uh, right, right. The, the, that's the whole yours thing. That's, that's the mustache. The, the but mustache. But we don't. We don't necessarily. Yeah. She. The last thing she says in the episode about him, though, is that she says she, there's something about he him doesn't she doesn't trust like. Them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and again, which I get it. I think it's just the mustache. Um, but, for me, what's interesting about Zoe is that she is most definitely the one person on the ship that is the most committed. Right. To Mal. And I was just, I was just gonna say this. It's like, yes. well, what are you gonna do? She, uh, punch me in the face? I won't, but she will. But she will exactly. And that's exactly who yeah. she is. Like she is yeah. his muscle, not Jane, but 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 committed first mate. She's the one will who stand will stand by back, her captain. Go to the depths of hell, and you. It's interesting about um, that episode where they're captured, where. Yep. She chooses her husband because she right. knows Mal will survive. Exactly. And also, that's the episode where Wash, we don't know how long this group has been together precisely. We haven't seen all their adventures before we get we, we get to know them in the first episode. But you get the sense Wash doesn't really get what their relationship is no. about. He doesn't no. really Not understand. And, he's and he doesn't really understand Mal until that moment no, where he comes on board and yep. he's all... Oh my he gosh, just wouldn't break. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. break. You yeah. know, yeah. he's gonna he's gonna get killed. I, he's gonna kill him. I, I love the dialogue there as well, where he basically Mal basically goes to Washi. He says, you know, uh, no, he goes to he goes to Zoe. He says, Wash thinks that we we should sleep together, and she goes, <laughs> Okay, sir. Okay, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those moments where you're like, Yeah, you know, I don't I don't think that at, that their relationship that. Um, that's what makes it so galling for Wash. I don't think Zoe and Mal's relationship has any sexuality in it. None. Whatsoever. None. I don't think it had ever even come... There, you know, there's two people who've been through an experience of the war and have that deep connection of friends mm-hmm. that sometimes yeah. can seem deeper, you know, you know, than in a romantic relationship. And, but, yeah, I don't think for two seconds they're ever like, let's jump each other's bones. I think it is literally like, no, I've bled beside this person, and you know that is what it's about. But he can't see that. For him, all he knows is, wow, there's they obviously o- operate on a wavelength that they're not letting me in on. <laughs> I think that I wonder whether Whedon, when he wrote Zoe in Mind, if he, if the intention was like, you know, well, I'm going to hijack the audience, especially the men, because I'm going to cast a beautiful. Gorgeous black woman, mm. as this because easily we go mm. yeah I mean because we can the yeah, argument can be made where it's like Browsers. Zoe can easily be a guy and um, yeah Wash Zoe and, Zoe really right? could have been, been right a guy. Wash and Zoe could have been a gay couple right but instead we weren't ready for that in two thousand no 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 I, especially <laughs> Fox wasn't ready for that right and and so we get <laughs> or, the, or we they get could Gina. have made the they could have made a female pilot. And it's like, oh, here's Mal's second in command. Right, exactly. His, his badass bro that he used to, you know, that, that they fought with. Um, 
No, but one of the great things about the, their, to their relationship and the two of them working together is, I don't know if any of you have any friends who are in the army or who, you know, have been in, this, in service, but any person, you know, when I was a teacher, I had a lot of students who went in service and, you know, and they, they come back, they tell you stories and essentially their platoon or the people that they're basically you know, coupled with or, or teamed with become brothers and sisters and they, they have oh, a sort yeah. of relationship that surpasses everything else because they've looked out for each other in situations where you are really truly dealing with life or death. And so you're placing your, your life in the hands of mm -hmm. somebody in a way that um, you don't normally have to do, for example, in a marriage or, for example, in a, a normal routine friendship. And so there's something that, that ties the two of them together on a, on a sort of soldier level that is extremely intimate and very, very well portrayed um, and is very true to basically how, you know, teams and platoons work together in real life. And I found that very, very, very well written and very well done. And, and, and the and fact fine. that she's a woman, again... Very it's, progressive. It's just, it's just an added... Yeah, very yeah, progressive. It's just, I mean, it's an added bonus where... Absolutely, and she she's the she's the muscle much more so than than Malcolm is, <laughs> and she's the you know she's the badass much more so than Malcolm is. And, and, and you know and she walks into. Well, I, I think let, what's let's also interesting is that is that Zoe is also the most disciplined member of the crew. Mm -hmm. She is yep. the one that will listen to orders go, and that's why when we get later on, that's why I said the black when spark. We get, when we, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's why when we get to Serenity, when she loses it, it is so important. Because that is a loss of composure that Zoe never, never goes through on the series. You know, she doesn't yep. lose her, her military not discipline. Coming. Exactly, right. yeah. Um, yep. Let's get into Hoban Wash. Washburn is the next character. You know, I wish we could do this as a non-spoiler thing, but we have to get into, of course, the fact that... Alan Tudyk, Alan Tudyk is, as Wash is uh, king of, of all dead characters. <laughs> King of the, king of the. Oh my God! Why did this just happen? Yeah. What have you done to my life, Joss Whedon? K two S O. We hardly knew you. We hardly knew. Now, now, Anna, uh, your your take on your take on uh, Hoban Wash Washburn, uh, played by Alan Tudyk. I can't be in this. I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's funny. He walks around with shorts and a and a, and a sort of Hawaiian shirt throughout the whole series, and. <laughs> You know, he's he's kind of missing the socks and the Birkenstocks to complete the look. <laughs> but, but I like him. I like him a lot. There's something very nice and very honest about him. There's something very naive for me. He's kind of the representative of innocence uh, of all the members. Mm -hmm. He's the one who is he has he, kept. He's never he's never off the boat. <laughs> he's never off the boat. You know. He's the most innocent. He truly believes certain things. You know, he has he hasn't the bad or bad or mean bone in his whole body. He's this one of these like you know every single character for me on the show kind of represents a different human emotion. And for me, jo um, Wash is the is innocence. Well, I, 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 so at, the, at the dinner table, and you know what, you're correct because at at the dinner table, he's always the one that says. Are we talking about murdering people? Are we talking well, about shooting yeah, people? Yeah, well, well, yeah, uh, let me yeah. let me make a counterpoint to that. I'm not sure necessarily innocence. I think the issue with Wash is that, uh, and this goes into maybe some of the backstory they don't quite get into in the show. But the idea is, Wash was a pilot during the war. Mm. He got shot down on his first mission, <laughs> and he spent the entirety of the war in a POW camp. So Wash. Mm -hmm. Did not does not have the same experience that Zoe and Mal have mm -hmm. with the war. 
He doesn't. I don't even know if it's, mm -hmm. if I'm remembering what side he was on. Right. He has no axes to grind. You know, he gets out and then nice. like, well, I, I, you know, it's like I'm, I know I was a great pilot, even though I got shot down. And I kind of wonder if that goes into the whole leaf on the wind thing. If there was some sense of he, in his first mission, he gets shot down. He thought, man, I wasn't responsive enough. I wasn't in the moment, and so maybe that's. I could see literally Wash in the POW camp in my mind saying that to himself over and over again, like replaying. Watch me soar. Watch you know again and again, and that's why he says that he at goes, that moment. That's just my speculation. But it's also the fact that he's very much the that's the pilot nature of him, right? You know, it's I'm going to go. I have a ship. I'm gonna go where it takes me. <laughs> I'm gonna go where the wind takes me. Right. Now, that's that's yeah. that's his that's his uh, his story. And and he's he is the one who, because I think he doesn't have any axe to grind. He's not willing to go to places that the other ones are. He's not willing to contemplate unnecessary murder, as far as he sees it. And he's not an and and as a pilot, he's not a th think with his fist guys. I think if Firefly, if if the Serenity ship had guns. He wouldn't think twice about using. He'd, he'd lock the door. He'd well, lock no, the no, door no, no. But I, I, oh, no, I mean guns as in oh, as right. in guns on the ship. Mm -hmm. That if the ship could fire, right. if it was a fighter craft, mm -hmm. I don't think he'd have a problem using it. But his because of his mind is a pilot. Right. Whereas their grunts, they think they literally do. Will think with their fists. Will think with mm -hmm. knives. Will think with that sort of thing as a way to get out of a situation. Now both are killing. Whether you're using, you know, guns on a ship mm, or right. you're using handguns or rifles, they're for both him killing. it's. But him, it's it's the a mission it's, is always, you know, transport in the cockpit, in in the the cockpit. taking care of things. Now in that I way. love that um, Wash. A lot of Wash's lines are this: <clears throat> Are we hearing gunfire? <laughs> um, hold on, are those Reavers? Um, well, uh, <laughs> what's what's happening back there? Hello, anyone blind. there? <laughs> He's a dirty ginger. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I had to make that joke. He is blonde. Yeah, uh, and, and, you know, <laughs> Wash is a character that, you know, because they have to make that differentiate him, like, they're turning the relationship on its ear, him and Zoe. So he's he's the less stoic one. He's the more gregarious, outgoing. He's the caring nurturer, and she's the stoic one of that relationship. So... You know, he's got to play that up. Now, let's bring that back to Alan Tudyk, who um, who made... Okay, Alan Tudyk, by the way, in the in Fanboydom, has been known to be a scene-stealer. He's a scene-stealer with a lot of the other things that he's done. K2SO is the most recent one. He steals a lot... He's given the lines that steal a lot of the scenes. Yes, right? definitely. And, and, on, and, and we definitely use him as a great comedic, you know relief to a lot of things on the show now that's not to say that and i think the the, the, the very big episode is where him and mal go on that mission right um, yeah right. They, you know it gets all of a sudden it gets very dark and this is the first time we've really well took and, and we get to see the the acting chops of took yeah. that you know he can he can he can go to he can go to certain depths and still do funny things like when they're deciding that they're going to get mel back and they're everyone's being all badass and he cocks <laughs> that little tiny gun <laughs> And I know that that was Tudyk. I know that Tudyk said, "Give me the smallest possible gun, and I'm gonna make it seem like 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 Wash is on the rampage." <laughs> because what does what does the wife have? The wife because has size doesn't matter. Size doesn't matter exactly. And what does what does Gina Gina Torres? By the way, if you don't pay attention to the weapons that are on the show, she has a sawed-off shot. It's what, not even oh, a sawed-off shotgun. Do you know the origin of that weapon? She has it. No, no. 
You, you know that actually all the guns in the show are not masked at all? Like, if you know even a little bit about the guns, I, I actually learned about this doing research. They, they specifically use, like, old Russian weapons and even American weapons. And if you go through the scenes and you know your guns a little bit, you can actually recognize a lot of them, pieces yeah. that are not at all cosmetically changed or altered. They are left as is. As, as they are. As they are. Well, well, that, you know that might not necessarily have been a creative choice. That might have just been a, that might have been a a, 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 budget, a, a budget choice. But, because but you, you know you, people always ask, going like, you know, in, in the commentary they were like, hey, how come the Alliance troops uh, armor looks like it's from uh, Starship Troopers? And we didn't go. That's because it is the armor from Starship Troopers. <laughs> but you were going to get into yeah. you were going to get into Gina Torres's um, her uh, specific rifle, shotgun, that, 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 which is a pistol. Well, it's basically. not. Well, it's a, it's a it's sort of a wind, sort right, of Winchester. It's a Winchester. That is the gun from Bruce Campbell's old show. Wow. Briscoe County Jr. Wow. That the, uh, I believe and the African American character. And he never made a cameo. Character. And he never made a yes, cameo. Yes, well, we, if they get gone to, uh, to season two. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, getting, getting, back, getting back to Washington. Hey, Mal, we, we can't... how you doing? <laughs> Who's that? That's my brother. That's my brother. <laughs> oh, my God! Yes! If Bruce Campbell had been on the show, there would be only two choices. He would either have been Wayne, Mal's brother... Wayne Reynolds. Wayne Reynolds! <laughs> yes! <laughs> he would either be Mal's crusty old father or uncle or brother. And then would have, oh, joined, I don't and know. Would have joined the cast in season four. I was still young at that time in 2002. <laughs> Yes, I just. Oh God, don't don't. Why are you? See now, I'm just getting angry again that the show got canceled. Um, uh, we can't really finish talking about Wash without, of course, going into his death, which is one of the absolute. I like, leave this room. It's gonna. It's it's. It. They give him this moment, this beautiful moment with, with one of the great space battle scenes of all time in sci-fi, and you're like, yes, we're getting through this. And they had already had the death of Ron Glass's character, Shepard Book. Mm-hmm. So I think, think a lot of people think, think that's, that's it like, for that's the main it. characters going, we're not going to lose anyone else. And then, out of Wash, dead, out of nowhere, Reaver Spear, there is no like, oh, we're going to drag him with him, he's just going to be dead. It's like, nope, he's dead. And then from that moment on, the end of Serenity, Wash's death is a turning point because you're thinking is Whedon going to wild bunch us with this? <laughs> is he going to and then he keeps adding moment after moment that makes that fakes you out that makes you think these oh my god they're all going to die or you know most of them are going to die so watch when his character Inara, is always like, going to be wait a did Anara just like get shot? Oh my God! Yeah. Simon, he got shot. Exactly. Like, like they're all gonna die. Summer's been thrown into <laughs> thrown to the reavers. Everything else, you know. And you got, and of course, you got the famous line of Jane, where it's like, you don't think you really think any of us are gonna make it out of this? And you're like, well, I might. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you bring up Anara. Let us bring Anara Sarah, uh, played by the gorgeous and talented Marina Bakarin. Um, not my words. The uh, what has been called the most beautiful woman in the world, Esquire. Uh, she's and I won't kick her out of my bed. So I okay, that's <laughs> new browsers. <laughs> there you go. I pronounced myself publicly. Publicly <laughs> open to Nara Sarah. <laughs> I, lo- I-, I-, I love you, honey. But the, you know, if ever I can give you a you know like a fiftieth birthday gift, this would be it. This would be it. <laughs> you, now, now, you, now. you would you would gladly trade a Frenchman for Inara any day. I will not trade. I would. I would. I would gladly share a friendship so, 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 with Marina Beckerin. <laughs> All right, we're getting into a weird area here on Loveline. <laughs> uh, 
now, uh, uh, Ed, your 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 take on an, a, a marimba Karen is Inara Sarah. Um, initially, on the surface, you go a companion. What the hell is she? And for for Mal to just straight up call her, well, she's a whore, Shepherd. You know, um, it's a very much a reduction of what she is and what she what her job is, which is what they call a companion. And for those of you who are not familiar with geisha culture um geishas were have been trained since a very young birth of a very young age culturally literature um uh poetry uh, poetry music music, entertainment dancing and by the way she knows how to fight um that's what you have wrapped up in into this into this character um now it's very hard for me to because I mean half the time I'm looking at her I'm like, uh, you know like I literally like my jaw drops every time that there's that scene she's giving herself a sponge bath, <laughs> yeah. and then book walks in in on her, and it's like oh and she's like I me. was waiting for you I was right yeah <laughs> um, now my impression was that um, I think she's a little bit underused because I understand that you very much want that someone to have that romantic sexual tension with Mal. It is it is very interesting that they don't they don't consummate. Well not just no consummate. They <laughs> they don't even like really tie it up in serenity. Right. You would expect there to be some kind of well, like she does them. kiss him. Well that she does kiss yeah, him. Yeah, well without him knowing and then she faints too because <laughs> because of saffron. Um one of the great moments But on that's the show. that's a very good point. Um, but I think that may be very well intentional because I think that they I think that Joss Whedon was hoping that he would get some sort of continuation and he wanted to keep something for a later date. I don't mm-hmm. think it's an intentional. I agree. St- well, that's, I, that's, I think it was the same. We're like, I've got so much on my plate on this sh- on this movie. And if you listen to the commentary um, for Serenity, he basically that is kind of what he says. He's like, look, I know a lot of people gave me guff because I didn't they didn't have this. Well, big see, consummation, but. I, you know, I had a lot of things on my plate in this film to begin with, and I didn't want to add in a love subplot, you know, to well, muddy the waters or anything else. Well, that's what we as the audience crave. You, we want that happy ending. We want the, well, uh, rather than. Well, yeah, the, but that, that's you know, you you plug that in when you're already Jonathan. jumping the shark. I mean, you know, uh, how many TV series have this sort of sexual tension between the two? Yeah, the moonlighting then, thing. You know, yeah. you don't necessarily want the but, moonlighting. Yeah, but I, but yeah, I get exactly. If, but I get if Joss. Yeah. If his intention was, we're just going to march march off into the sunset and not tie, tie anything because this is how it's going to be. Um, they're going to go on. They're going to fly that ship. They're going to continue um, doing business and whatever. And Mal is going to constantly have that arrangement with Inara. Um, now, uh, Inara surprises. Surprise, now, she. Th- this is why I think that she's kind of underused. I felt that that last scene in Serenity... And I go, I go. What was that weapon that she was using? Everyone had had uh, had submachine guns, um, uh, rifles, and she's given the the Chirrut Imwe like weird. <laughs> well, that actually was done out of uh, was digitally inserted because there is a deleted scene. It's a weird crossbow. Well, no, no. Well, here's the thing. There's a deleted scene showing the companions when she's at the training house for the companions, mm-hmm. and they show her teaching other young women how to use the bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to be just a bow and arrow thing. In the commentary, uh, Whedon himself says, ah, it's a little Wonder Woman. This is exact words. And they digitally insert this strange 
other kind of bowcaster weapon thing. <laughs> and, but it goes, but it goes to show you again the idea of the companions having this well-rounded education. They were refined because she teaches him in one episode yeah. as much as she can about sword fighting. And yeah. you know, the companions, how many how many amount of pressure within the point? Yeah, she talks about that to break skin to and break all skin. that. And you know, this is an interesting uh, facet of Inara uh, to the wider world of Firefly Serenity, which is that the we have the alliance set up. And there are a couple of been of some videos about this out there. We have the alliance set up as the big bad of the show. We're supposed to be so oh, they're the evil bad guys. It's the mega corporation. But let's think about the rest of the universe of Firefly that we see and what we see of the alliance. And Inara is very much keyed into this. Inara is well educated. Uh, as a companion, she has a job which, by any stretch of the imagination, most progressive Americans and Western Europeans would have approval of, saying, yes, a woman should be able to have control over her own body, and if she chooses to be, to, to, to be a sex worker, that is hers. Um, <clears throat> she herself, as a character, talks about in that episode where we find out how the crew gets together, tells Mal to his face, I was for unification. I was not for the independence. The Alliance Society. Well, are you guys familiar with the whole courtesan? Yes, exactly. She's a courtesan. Uh, uh, but by the way, uh, Anna, your comment with Inara, I'll be in my room. Exactly. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. But Anna, you were saying, you were saying uh, about. Uh, well, about do, you, uh, do you guys know about the, the courtesan tradition in, the, in, in, in Europe and more specifically in Venice? Yes, uh, exactly. They, they were famous. Know. They were sought after. They were part of high society. Absolutely. And they're the only, you know, the courtesans throughout history, whether it's in Europe or whether it's in Asia or whether it's even in India, because even Indian uh, culture has, you know, the, the, the sort of harem tradition for, for the Rajas. They're the most educated women in history and, and they're the most sophisticated women in history. They're the ones who learned how to read, how to write, how to play instruments, how to dance. Uh, they, they are allowed to read books other than the Bible or a religious text, re regardless of the, of the situation. And to be quite honest about, uh, you know, the sex portion of, of the courtesan relationship with her client is an extremely small portion of what she needs to be able to do. Uh, more than anything, she's called a companion because most often than not, she has to literally accompany these people to high-end functions. Right. She needs to know the etiquette. Be before, to, before, you know, before, behave. before escort became this term of just a sex worker. Sure, escort absolutely. truly means I am taking you to public events. Yeah, I am taking you to meetings. I am taking you out and about. Everyone is going to know this isn't a hush-hush thing done in back rooms and hotels. Yep. It yep. is a public. Yep you know position but what i've what i've questioned <laughs> about what i've questioned about her character is that she's never settled where a lot of courtesans um they settle upon that one client or patron right yeah which and is then, which goes into the character of anara herself because right. uh they talk about this in the commentary you know that is the question what is anara doing out there correct they keep they build her up they say you know, when we she meet we meet other people from her past, they talk about it's like, well, Inara was was a prize. You know, she was being groomed to, to for a position of authority within the world of the companions. She was gonna run her own house. When we meet her again in Serenity, she is in fact an instructor somewhere. So the question is, what is she doing out there on the frontier edge? And we even said something, it's like, oh, people think she's running from something. She's running towards something. And her being on Serenity is part 
of her plan to reach somewhere. Now, we never get a chance to go in. And it is interesting that we don't get so much about the backstory of that character, and yet she's such a fan favorite because uh, Bakaran's performance is so wonderful. Not just, you know, her, as, as Anna pointed out, the, the, the back and forth between her and Mal, but also that she is, even though she is a quote-unquote prostitute, she is kind of the den mother of this ragtag band of misfits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Kaylee is everyone's favorite, you know, little sister on the ship, Inara has a, a somewhat matronly um, position. You know, she, everyone comes, I mean, like, even the priest comes to the prostitute for confession. Sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on the show. I mean, it's very, uh, uh, not, and, and, you know, it is interesting that Marina Bikarin is such a big part of making that character come alive because she wasn't the original first choice. Uh, the actress Rebecca Gayhart was actually originally yep. cast and yep. literally did not have the chemistry we wanted to wanted in, in, in the part. And from Vanishing Sun. Well, well, Rebecca Gayhart actually, he kind of knew it wasn't going to work, so he filmed her parts in such a way that he could easily edit her out and then just insert whoever they replaced in. And then they brought in Miranda Bakarin. And, you know, there are those little, all of these little X factors on the show that it could have gone another way. You know, and it's either luck or just Whedon sticking by his guns and having his vision, which, you know, Makes it work. And let me just say, Marina Bacarin, for me, I mean, it is so interesting that they she plays the part in such a way that, like I said, there's this progressive acceptance that, you know, as a man, every man, no matter what, who, who, even his fantasy woman, he wants to think of them as his own. <laughs> and yet here she is, the character it is bisexual, goes... Goes men, goes women. I'll be in my room. Doesn't <laughs> doesn't think <laughs> twice about it, uh, and you know, and yet she sells it. She totally sells it. Totally owns the role, and you know, brings hey. brings an energy to the show that some of the other characters, you know, you know, don't have. And it's so wonderful that she is a sort of adjunct thing. Like she's not she's... a member of Mal's crew per se. You know, she's not d- under his direct control. She is merely, I'm I'm leasing out this space, mm-hmm. and you do not have control. You know, you have limited amount of That's well, not your ship, it's influence. my ship. Exactly. You have limited over. amount of influence mm-hmm. over me. I will do as I want, where I want, how I want. And like I said, represents a certain idea that she's, as an educated woman with this progressive job, doesn't really paint the alliances all that bad, in my opinion, as compared to what we learn about the rest of these territories that right. had wanted to be independent. And like, um, I, I question about like, well, how much money you're bringing in with your clients because <laughs> you're living in this filthy shuttle that's housed by this. Well, new- her, I, I don't think her, her section is definitely not filthy. It's no, the rest but of it's, the ship that's filthy. Well, her section isn't, but but I mean, you look at the shuttle; it's not really nothing that much to look at, you know. Nor is the rest of the ship. As as, I mean, if you got cows <laughs> at one point, at one in point, the cargo in, bay. in the cargo bay. Um, but you know, um, I, I think I think she and Malcolm have this in common. You know, there's this desire for independence, and I think the reason why the two of them. You know, there's chemistry there, that's for sure, and there's attraction. But I think that one of the, you know, we talked about having things in common before, right? One of the things that they have in common that makes a couple possible um, is basically their 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 common interest and common behavior. And they are both 
looking for a sort of independence that they can't have if they give in to certain rules and mm -hmm. certain society and mm -hmm. certain laws that are imposed. And I think that one of the things, this is my theory, I'm just going to throw it out there, is that she leaves at the end. She says, I'm going to take my shuttle and go. Mm -hmm. And she says she's going to leave at the end. And one of my theories is that she basically falls in love with Malcolm, and that's not permitted in the world that she comes from. Good, and good so point. It, yeah, it's yeah. a choice. It's a choice to be made, right, between the independence that she so richly seeks and that she gives basically everything for. You know, she does live in this filthy place and she does, you know, go on the outer rim. But all of this to be able to make her own decisions and to not be subjected to rules and laws of quote unquote man. Mm -hmm. And the minute she falls in love with Malcolm, she decides that's when she's going to leave because this is going against everything that she has sacrificed and it's, cl and and it's, clou and it's clouding you know whatever possible path that she might have that might have been clear that exactly now now another exactly. thing i want to i'd like to point out is that i think the relationship between um anara and mal she's a woman who is used to people just falling at her feet and she talks to this to shepherd book and she says well why are you so he says you know why she you know shepherd book says why are you so she 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 asks Shepard Book, why are you so interested in our captain? And he turns mm -hmm. it around and her says, why are you? And she has, you know, her defenses fall for a moment. And he says, you know, because, you know. He's not like most men. He's not like he's, you know, he's his, his intentions and everything are not. He's not. And one of the things that he's not like most men is it's obvious there's an attraction. She knows that he's attracted to her. He she he knows she's attracted to him. But he is not going to make a fool of himself. He doesn't fall over of himself, mm. making peons to her love. He doesn't try and he doesn't try and smooth talk her or anything. He goes out of his way to be, quite frankly, a jackass to her, <laughs> either in covering it up or or just showing that lady, you're 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 plum gorgeous, but that ain't that ain't affecting my my decisions one way or the other about this. Classic castle. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> You, sir, <laughs> just become the king of fanboydom. I, I bow to the Buddha nature in you, <laughs> Jonathan Vergara. You are the chosen one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This episode was brought to you by Rolling Press, a Brooklyn-based eco-friendly printing business. If you're looking to print your books, magazines, zines, and comics for anyone who wants to start their own thing, go to Rolling Press. Uh, go to rollingpress.com. Go ahead and get your stuff printed there. They're, they've been really great at uh, helping us out and sponsoring, and they did our business cards, and we're very thankful for them. Also, Pancake Studios. Without Pancake Studios, TBC would not exist, and we are very grateful and thankful for uh, Jonathan Vergara and his studio here at Pancakes. If you are a musician, if you're looking to start your own podcast, Book your appointment now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Our website is www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast. Check us out on iTunes, Google Play, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. <laughs>